0: Seven of Grill Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm your other host, Willa Rowe. So, Willa, we have a, what I think is going to be a pretty exciting uh, episode this week. We've each kind of given each other a uh, possibly a gift, a challenge, uh, maybe a punishment that's determined, uh, still to be determined. Yeah. Uh, so over the last couple of weeks, uh, we challenged each other to both play what we've kind of loosely defined as like our favorite game of the year that the other person didn't play. Mm-hmm. So, we I think we have kind of shared a lot of favorite games this year, uh, most notably Citizen Sleeper, which we've talked about. Uh, but a couple of games that we've also, you know, both mentioned a bit individually uh, are ones that the other didn't touch. So, for me, uh, the, the assignment that I had given you is to play a game called Stephanie. Yeah, so Stephanie is. I mean, pretty safely going to be my favorite game of the year. Uh, it's a game by a developer called Analgesic Productions, which is easily one of my favorite developers working right now. Uh, it's a it's a two-person development team uh, made up of Melis Hontani and Marina Kataka. Uh, they've made a, a few really excellent games. Uh, before Stephanie, they made Anodyne 2, uh, which was a game that I also loved. Uh, but their whole catalog is really, really fantastic. Uh, and Stephanie is like a platformer with very like distinct puzzle elements, uh, and on top of that, a really interesting story tying together these sort of three explorers on Stephanie Island, which is what gives uh, the game its name. Uh, and we'll get into that uh, in just a moment, uh, but Willa, do you want to talk about the game that you have given to me for this episode?
1: Yes, so the game I gave to you is Signalis, a PS1-inspired horror game that... I absolutely loved when I played it. It's become a game that I just cannot stop talking about. And loosely, it follows a very traditional like horror plot. You play as Elster, and she has to, you know, go through this abandoned like factory facility um, that is beset or besieged with zombie-like creatures in search of someone she's lost and you know, drama ensues. Uh, That's kind of the loose outline of it, but there's a lot of deeper things that end up happening as you go on throughout the game, a lot of stuff that we'll get into um, that I just think makes it incredibly special and one of my favorite experiences of the year.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, So through the scientific method of a flip of the coin, uh, we've decided that uh, we're going to talk about Stephanie first so do you want to do you want to lead us in like what's your how did you feel about stephanie
1: yeah um so obviously you know you've been talking about this game nonstop. so (laughs) i was like very intrigued by what i was getting into and so i started up the game um there's this really interesting intro section on a train with this weird creature which is very intrigued by and then you get into the like to the to the main part of it you're dropped on the island and uh this is where like the platforming starts and the (laughs) the first thing that i struggled with was immediately i was having a lot of trouble with the platforming (laughs) i was not good at it i still don't think i'm good at it um but eventually like i i i figured out how to get through it and got into like the the onyx link puzzles and the story and i think the story is what keeps me through that game Mm -hmm. that is what i very much like
0: yeah the i mean we'll we'll probably get into a bit bit in more detail later but yeah the the platforming is really interesting it has a very strange control scheme uh it's it might be very different from what you're imagining as a platforming game if you're thinking of something like uh the mario games or whatever uh but to jump back a bit so like you said, the game starts with a quick scene of this this weird looking creature riding a train through like a wasteland and sort of providing like a, a framing device for the game. Um, what, was your, what was your immediate reaction to like the writing or like the story that was being told there? Because I think that is, like you said, like it is the main appeal of this game is kind of the story that's being told. But yeah, like just off the bat, like how, what were you expecting? What, how did you feel about it? Um, it was,
1: it was, inc- it was very unexpected because mm-hmm. like all I really knew about this was kind of platformer slash kind of puzzle on an island. And so to be like first dropped in with this scene, it was really intriguing. The writing was immediately drew me in. I think, um, I think the writing is really good. Um, it laid out a little bit of like a a knowledge gap where I wanted to know what this character was talking about and in a weird way, the first my first thought when I started the game in this train section is, I was like, "This is like Half Life's opening," <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was like a, in a good way. I was very intrigued um, to kind of like learn more about what this character was talking about, um, and I think just continuously, the writing is um, it's very well done. I think it tackles a lot of its themes well, and the, the writing style itself is just beautiful. Um, so I was very interested
0: in like seeing more of that as I continued. Mm -hmm. Did you, so, you know, it sounds like you, the platforming and the puzzles, like did not really grab you that much. Did it get at least at the beginning, like how, by the end, how are you feeling about it? Like, was it like a thing you were getting, you were sort of forcing yourself through to get to the story or did it end up becoming something that you, you know, actually enjoyed doing? So, so
1: here's the thing, like, I think, still like even after playing the game I don't like the platforming Mm. I never got really the hang of it um I felt it was a little too abrasive to like really figure out (laughs) I I felt like I constantly found myself getting you know lost in environments or just dying because I just couldn't do the thing that I was supposed to be doing um But that isn't to say I didn't like the puzzles because I actually think the puzzles are the best part of this game, like gameplay wise, Mm -hmm. Um, which is weird because they're the most optional. Um, Yeah. These like little Tetris like puzzles. I think they're very engaging. They're just like short enough and challenging enough um, that they're very interesting. And it does this interesting thing where like the whole the whole point of the mission that the like scientists are there to do is they're supposed to like you know observe wildlife and like link with the creatures to like learn more about them and by like playing this tetris game you you like unlock the connection and then as you go on you have more like tetris I'm, I'm going to keep calling it tetris but <laughs> <laughs> you get these like block pieces and you get more of them as you link with creatures and in this story about like the way everything is connected using this puzzle game about figuring out how to make things fit together, I think is a really great example of like gameplay co- being cohesive with story, and like these blocks are represented are representations of characters you like you link with mm-hmm. um and there's just little pieces like. You, you can link with something and it'll be represented by a block and it's not just like random. It's not just like four blocks of green. There's, there's a method to the madness. Like you can see like a beach whale is half blue because um, it's like half in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think there's these really interesting um, things that go on with the puzzles that are meaningful to like what the game overall is trying to do. And for me, I never thought the platforming did that in a Mm -hmm. way that I enjoyed or felt was meaningful.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm realizing how there's a weird difficulty in talking about this game in that like the the story and the gameplay kind of like are so intertwined that like to pull apart one thing and talk about one subject at a time sort of doesn't really get at what makes it special. Because mm-hmm. like as you were doing these puzzles or this platforming or whatever, it's it's as important like how it feels as it is like the way that it uh, sort of informs you about the world and the way that the world informs it. I, I don't know. There's, I'm just noticing this weird uh, this weird thing where it's like I'm you're like filling in a lot of the blanks yourself um, because we've both played it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like for me the the platforming held a very similar position where as you move through this cave uh, and you're linking with these different creatures and kind of um, narratively y- you so the, the idea of like linking okay these scientists have this like weird sci-fi implant in their brain uh, that allows them to like what is only ever described as linking with with various creatures and what that kind of does is like it allows them to get like the memories and the thoughts of that creature in a way that lets them like understand it on a very deep like kind of spiritual level uh and is also altering their bodies so the, the the way the platform expresses that is giving you these sort of different abilities uh throughout as you explore the cave uh that are all based on sort of abilities that creatures inhabiting the cave have uh so just like you mentioned as the the puzzles kind of take on the aspect of the the creatures you've linked with uh i, th- I think that the platforming does as well um but I, you know, can fully see if it's just not your jam. It's not your jam. Um,
1: I will say, I think, um, so like earlier in the story when you're playing through and you're just like exploring Stephanie Island and, you know, the first parts of the cave, um, like the cave system, something that turned me off was that it felt like I didn't ha- I didn't really know what I was supposed to do a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that I needed to be like handheld, but I felt like I there are stretches of time where I was like, I just have no idea where I'm supposed to go. Yeah. And the platforming was a struggle for me, um, to like get through these large open spaces. Um, but then I will say, I think the platforming comes more into its own in like the back half of the game when, um, like narratively the scientists, their memories start like leaking into the Island mm-hmm. and these platforming sections, um, start having like representations of their memories and the, the like quote unquote out like real outside world. Um, and these like surreal moments of platforming through their memories and like through their mind. I, I thought those were far more interesting um, even with the like struggles that I personally had with like getting a grip on the platforming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another way that sort of it connects the, the gameplay with the story or it's like when they first get stranded on the island, they're kind of just exploring because there's they're basically just waiting for a rescue to come. So there is this sort of aimlessness to it as they just sort of delve into the cave and try to find if there's anything interesting there. Uh, and the more that they link with the island, it, like you said, it starts to take on the shape of their memories. And so the, the path through the levels becomes much more directed. Like you're not just walking through some huge empty cavern anymore. You're exploring like... Uh, a shopping mall or uh, like a highway with with you know kind of buildings on it and yeah i don't know i think that's just another interesting way that those thing two things intersect
1: yeah and so i think um like one thing of, that's very interesting and that becomes like important to the story is you learn that basically the character that you meet in the like first intro scene this like weird alienish like character called the observer is stephanie island it's like a personification of the island and it's like telling the story of how it connected with these scientists and I do think that it tells like I, I think the highlight of this game is this story about like connectedness in like just life nature between all things um, it it spirals and tendrils out into so many different aspects it's yeah. it's very expansive in a surprising way
0: yeah, that, that really struck me as well. Like when I, when I started playing the game, sort of the first couple of hours, there's a lot of talk about like how the different aspects of this ecosystem like interact with each other. There's this, you know, this creature that lives in the, the bowels of the cave that serves us basically like its lungs. Uh, and there's just lots of discussion about how ecosystems rely on their individual component parts like supporting one another Uh, and how that reflects the way that, like, human beings rely on nature. And for those first couple hours, I was just like, okay, that's what this game is about. Uh, And the real joy for me was discovering that that's, like, just the barest part of the intro. Um, Like, it really is a game about connections and interdependence, uh, and it explores those things in so many different ways. Like, it starts to talk about uh, the, like, national identities and borders and how those things like connect or or separate people uh the way that people's like memories and experiences can shape uh shape the present and shape the way that they deal with other people it really is like like you said it's extremely expansive uh and it just like it kind of like spirals around this central idea of like connection and identity in and basically like every way it can find to interpret it 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 does i think um
1: it's interesting because I could definitely feel in in a way, and I don't think this was negative. Like this felt like a game, partially or largely in response to like dealing with feelings of being in a pandemic. Yes, um, very much. I mean, and like they they at one point kind of like openly address this, like in the mm-hmm. story. Um, but it was very interesting to see how each um, scientist dealt with this and the issues of like, well, some of their connected, like their issues with connection come from physical distance. Some of it comes from, you know, societal difference or, you know, what privileges they have over other people. Um, it's really just like a meditation on kind of like loneliness and then also how we overcome that. Yeah, uh, And I do think like what really did strike me is the presentation And the writing, I think when there are those like, there are long moments where it's, it's almost like a visual novel. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were really special, I thought. Um, And they reminded me in a way of uh, Lost Odyssey, uh, which I don't know if you've ever played this. This was Hironobu Sagaguchi's game that he made after leaving Square Enix. Yeah,
0: I didn't finish it, but I played bits of it.
1: Yeah. And there are moments in between like the main story, which is just like typical JRPG, like action in between, there are these like moments where it's literally just a visual novel and Mm -hmm. he got like a really renowned Japanese novelist to write them. And there are these incredible meditations on like the themes of the, of the game. Um, and Stephanie reminded me a lot of that and how it uses a lot of different forms, um, in the game to talk about its issues. Uh, that are really special. You can tell they they had a lot on their minds when they yeah. made this game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, those parts are so special. Like I think they really are like the 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 biggest success of of the game. Uh and these moments always come after like so as you're doing these like linking puzzles with various like little critters on the island, once in a while you'll come across what the game calls like key species. And they're essentially like what it has as boss battles. Like they're just more difficult puzzles. Uh, that are um, creatures that are sort of really intimately connected with the ecosystem. Like I mentioned a bit ago, there's one that's like basically the lungs of the cave system. And when you connect with those, uh, it's like forming a connection between all of the explorers and the island. So it's like the island is interpreting uh, the, the memories and the thoughts of the, the explorers. And you get these these long passages of you'll basically see like a diorama Or like just these like kind of abstract models of the characters or of their like their homes or just like things from their memories. And then over these scenes is just long passages of text just kind of like ruminating on, uh, you know, just all kinds of things from, you know, loneliness. And like uh, one character kind of struggles with like not feeling connected to her heritage. One, One is struggling with like her girlfriend living overseas, things like that. Uh, And these take a lot of different forms, like toward the back half of the game, these sort of like 3D model diorama things get replaced by more just like photo collages. And it's just like these wild formal experiments that just completely like stop the game for like, you know, 10 minutes at a time uh, to go on these like big lyrical tangents uh, that I think they are just so, so fascinating. Yeah,
1: I think a lot of people you know, when, when it comes to video games, there's like a tendency that people don't like weird experimentation.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: really like um, a game like Stephanie that does change its form a lot and have so much in it yeah. um, and how it experiments. I will say as much as I do like a lot of the the story and I think it's skillfully written, I think for me, one of my major drawbacks of the game that I felt was that in a story where you're kind of tackling the idea that literally everything is connected and everything affects everything, they start the, the like scope of the game starts out fairly small and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it's like so massive that they're trying to like tackle nearly every issue that you could think of, like in human existence. And I think it becomes jumbled at points in a way where they they start losing a focus that that makes the like there's only so much good writing can do if you don't have a focus. And I think of the back half, as good as the writing still is, they that the I think the scope could have like been confined a little.
0: yeah. I kind of love the jumble, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I like, yeah, yeah, I like how messy it is, um, mm-hmm. and how it is like just tackling so many different things and trying to like, I, I don't know. To me, that that really feels like all of these different characters are all bringing like completely different experiences, and uh, they they have different things on their mind as they approach these problems. And the jumble for me is like just that messiness of three people with different backgrounds and different goals trying to uh, work toward the same goal. And then it's also being filtered through this, like, alien entity that is the island. Um, I just, I don't know. I kind of like that sort of just survey of, like, here's everything that's going on with these characters, and it's not all going to fit together neatly. Like, sometimes it's going to leave a lot of jagged edges. Uh, so Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. But for me, like, I I kind of love the, the messiness of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something... It's still a game I respect a lot, even mm-hmm. even with its like drawbacks that I have with it. Um, something that I also like is, and it seems really simple when you start and like it's actually not important, but I like that you can change who you play as just yeah. like at any point. Because it seems they, they tell you at the start, they're like, hey, if you click this button, you can change what character you play as of the three scientists. This will have no impact on gameplay. Everybody can do the same thing, but just like do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know about you, but I I found myself at first, I was like, I'm sure I'll just play as one of them um, and I'll just like stick to one. And then I ended up like the game did have an impact on me because it it is so cohesive about all of these people together. I... I found myself constantly, like, changing who I was and, like, like giving the game the time uh, for me to be each one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was, like, something that you experienced.
0: Yeah. Like, when I started playing, I was like, oh, I like Ingwen the best. Like, I just liked the way yeah. your character looked. So I was like, I'm just going to play as England. And then, yeah, like, as the game went on, it was like I would switch them out a bunch Uh, And especially toward like the end where like each character basically gets like a level that is kind of theirs toward the end. And so I would always, I would be like that character for the whole time through that level just because it felt, I don't know, thematically coherent in some way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I had that impact too. So we've, we've talked about the, the writing a couple of times. This was actually one of the things that I was like, I'm I'm curious of how Willa is going to react to this Um, (laughs) because there's, thing about the writing is like well the story is this really like s- really serious like philosophical exploration of all these different things the writing often takes on that tone like it's often very poetic and it's often very um like serious about those things it's also extremely silly like this game is so full of like just ridiculous jokes and like fourth wall breaking kind of where it's not like addressing the player but it There's something about the tone that makes it clear that, like, there is a writer speaking to you as the player uh, and using just, like, this story or these weird jokes as just a a medium to, like, say something to you that is not, like, intrinsic to the game. Um, Like, one thing I keep thinking of is, like, after you link with any of the, like, anything that isn't a key species, like, just some animal on the island, you can talk to that animal again and they will, like, say something to you. And it's all so just bizarre and silly. And like, that's where a lot of just strange off the wall jokes come from. Um, and for me, I really love that mix of like, a very like, serious, like high minded story that is also just, just goofy, and like, full of strange jokes. Uh, I don't know, I'm just wondering how that landed for you.
1: I mean, I'm a fan of things that um, if you're like, portraying the idea of like, the whole of human experience, kind of, um, you you have to be silly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, it's silly and, being a human. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great demonstration of like the idea of how things can swing between different extremes, um, mm-hmm. or how you can have like a silly outlook on serious stuff. Um, yeah, and I think it just it shows how expertly done the writing is because mm-hmm. they are they manage to never make that changing tone feel like cheap. Which I I really appreciated and respected.
0: Yeah, I think you could easily like completely lose your way doing that, and like make it like the jokes don't land, and then it also detracts from the I don't know the, the important aspects of the story. Uh, for me, it's also kind of like it really lets you see the fingerprints of the developers as well, where like it's so clear how much of their own personality they've put into this. When you play so many games that. Tr- either intentionally or just from the fact of, like, being made by a huge team of people, sort of erase the individual voice or, uh, like, you know, the work becomes less individuated and more just, like, a sort of an assembly of work from various other people. It's, I always love seeing something where it's like, oh, this is just, like, something that this person has been thinking about for a long time and just needed to get it out. That's That is always such a thrill to me in a game.
1: Yeah. So something I wanted to talk about is... I want to talk about the ending of Stephanie. Yeah, I, I think I really like it a lot, actually, because <laughs> I was, I was, um, surprised that you know basically they get off the island, and they're kind of like, okay, now what? What do we do? To do we warn people about this like impending pandemic that becomes like a, a plot point, and how, how do we use this data to like help change the world? And then they're just kind of like. I don't think we're going to do anything. Yeah. Let's just, we're all going to actually part ways. But yeah, the thing that struck me about it is, you know, once they get back from the island and they kind of have this knowledge of this impending pandemic and they have all this data from the island that, you know, hypothetically could like help save a lot of people and save, you know, earth or whatever, um, they, they have this discussion about it. And they're kind of like, well, how could we explain it to anybody? We can barely explain it to ourselves. Let's just kind of like not really talk about it and let it like, kind of go the wayside. And we're all gonna part ways. And kind of there's a question about, yeah, maybe they just don't really hang out anymore. It's, it's bittersweet in a way that I don't think I
0: expected. Yeah, I certainly didn't expect it either. Um, There's also a lot of discussion like in that end bit about like, well, even if we shared it with us, like we, the characters come from uh, like research institutions or whatever from three different countries, and so they're like, okay, well, how who would even handle this? And like, even if we told our supervisors or whatever, they wouldn't they wouldn't be willing to work with our respective institutions. And so the game has spent a lot of time in talking about like borders and nationality and things, and then at the end, it really comes full circle where. They're like, well, this these things that we've been discussing on a very personal level, they also have really big impacts where we have the knowledge to prevent this like huge catastrophe, but because we know the way the world works, we know that like the the governments of the countries that we come from, they would not be willing to like give up the credit or work together enough to prevent it. And that feels like a very kind of true thing, just in sort of like an abstract. Narrative sense, but also like something that absolutely played out over the past couple of years of the pandemic of like countries not being willing to cooperate and companies making things even more difficult by hoarding like you know patents and things. Uh, so yeah, it, it was, I was really surprised by how um kind of downbeat that part of the ending was. Yeah, and then it's
1: like to reflect how the game opens, it's bookended by another, you know. Scene with you know, as now we know the like personification of Stephanie Island, and it's just like yeah. And then they left, and I'm still like waiting for them to come back because I need to be like fixed, mm-hmm. and I sure hope that happens one day. It's yeah, I, it's it's realistic, yeah, and, and sad. Um, it's incredibly emotional, I think, which I did really appreciate. And Mm -hmm. I do think like for me as I wouldn't say, like, obviously I wouldn't say I love this game as much as you, um, (laughs) but I think the writing is the thing that sticks with me and just how they portrayed this story. That is what stands out about Stephanie.
0: Yeah. Um, Did you, did you play the epilogue? I didn't. Okay. So there is an epilogue to this game that does return to the island I, okay, tell I, me about it. Okay, you want me to tell you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, tell so, me. So there is actually an epilogue to this game. Uh it's it's a very short epilogue. So after you finish the game and like roll credits and everything, it opens up a new option on the main menu so you can go back and select epilogue and there's there's a very short section that's mostly just like one more linking puzzle and it is it takes place like Many years after the original game, you come back as the grandchild of one of the original characters, and there's just another short segment of it where it, it's about that, basically. You're, you're trying to uh, deal with this thing that comes up in the story throughout the first playthrough that is sort of like a, of, a virus of sorts that is uh, kind of jumping from species to species. Uh, and the data that the original researchers collected could have been used to prevent a pandemic that results because of it Uh, and you go back as one of their uh, their descendants to basically like close that loop Uh, and it just gives you one more final uh, little puzzle followed by the kind of like uh, strange like narrative sections that follow those and it's it's I would recommend playing it. Like, I don't think it's the strongest part of the story, like, at all. I think you still have a totally satisfying experience and, like, a very different ending to the story. Uh, But it, you know, it's just, it's worth mentioning that it is there. Um, I don't know that it, it, I don't know that it necessarily makes it better or more satisfying. Um, But it is, it is in there. I just wanted to know. But since I guess we're at the end of Stephanie, uh, at least chronologically speaking, do you have any other uh, uh, thoughts uh, about the game that you wanted to bring up before we move on? I don't really think so. Uh, part of me just...
1: <laughs> I don't like platforming. That's my biggest takeaway. Yeah, that's a bummer. I, 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 I do really like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely st- strange. Like, It doesn't really feel like any other platformer. Um so maybe me not being the biggest platformer fan actually helps, uh, because this in in some weird ways it almost feels more like um, like a skating game or something. Yeah, because the, the way, way you the way works. you run,
1: mm-hmm. I did not like it. I and never there's got lots of like
0: wall running. Uh, yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm glad you found something to like in it, even if uh, you don't agree with me giving it a perfect score.
1: I mean um, I like I like heady narrative games. Yeah. So I will say I was part of me was losing my mind playing this game because <laughs> you reviewed Stephanie, I but did. you also reviewed Citizen Sleeper. I did. And you only gave one of those games a perfect score. Yeah. And it was not Citizen Sleeper. Yes. And I'm I'm livid.
0: Well okay so here's the thing is because I found Stephanie's so satisfying to play. Like, I really loved the, the weird platforming and the, the puzzles and the way that those things connected so much. I found uh, there were more moments of frustration when I was playing Citizen Sleeper than there were when I was playing Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though, like, by the end of Citizen Sleeper, I, like, really came around on it and kind of, like, understood the way that the, the frustrations in the gameplay... Uh, were a reflection of the story there were still some points there where I thought like the pacing got weird uh, and like the the mechanics weren't quite connecting the way I wanted them to whereas in Stephanie it was that it was like they both had incredibly satisfying stories and they were satisfying to play but I think Stephanie connected those two uh, and remained like a uh, like a holistically satisfying experience throughout the whole runtime in a way that Citizen Sleeper didn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I have thought a lot about this too, because like Citizen Sleeper and Stephanie have been competing in my mind for which one is actually like my favorite game of the year. Um, It's, I mean, this, this leads us into a whole other discourse about like what review scores mean and why they're a nightmare. Um, But yes, I have thought about that, uh, that as well (laughs)
1: throughout the year. Okay. But Anyways, I think I think we can go into Signalis now. Okay, I do want so. to mention
0: before we leave, Stephanie. Also, mm-hmm. I adore the soundtrack. It's I I just I love the music so much. Um, I I used uh, Stephanie as kind of a palate cleanser after particularly intense sessions of Signalis, uh, <laughs> and every time I heard the music, I could just like feel my heart rate dropping, and just this sense of calm came over me um so anyone out there even if you don't end up playing the game go look at the soundtrack because it's it's just so gorgeous and it's playing in my head right now it is
1: really good it is really nice i i enjoy it okay um so like getting into signalis one of the first things that i wanted to ask you is because we have we had a long discussion about this a couple episodes back you don't really like horror games
0: I do not like horror games. And like, at so
1: all. i made you play a horror <laughs> yes. game. Um, and I'm just curious, like, just starting with that, what was that experience like for you playing this, you know, horror game?
0: Yeah, I mean, at first, I, I mean, my biggest sort of uh, thought on that was like, why is Willa mad at me? Why is she making me do this? Um, <laughs> why, why am I being punished this way? I, I did approach this with a little bit of trepidation, because normally if I'm uh, if I'm playing a horror game and like having a bad time, I can just stop. <laughs> uh, but we, that would not have worked for this, so I knew I was going to have to play the whole way. So I was kind of worried. We talked about uh, Stephanie. We talked about Signalis a little bit a few episodes ago, and I'd mentioned that like I had gotten through like the first hour of the game. Which was like the first time one of the, uh, the first time an enemy appears basically, and I just remember, th- just kind of tonally you could tell that something scary was about to happen, and I could just feel this like sense of dread in myself, and so that's where I had to pick back up was just at this moment of like, just knowing that like uh, something scary was about to happen, so I was I was a little concerned about that, but in the end it it didn't really i don't think this is a very scary game in the way that like that horror games the things about horror games that tend to turn me off i don't think signalis really did do you feel that do you think it's i mean you play more horror games than i do like how do you feel this compares in terms of like being scary to other horror games
1: so yeah i i actually don't think this is incredibly like scary i think it's i think it's incredibly atmospheric yes um there is a sense of fear and dread that the game does instill in you but there's not so much straight like horror um that occurs uh for me the biggest thing that i did not like um as in it like was scary is the fact that when you encounter enemies the score changes (laughs) and it's this like really dreadful like high-paced, uh, um, like, adrenaline-pumping sound. Yes. They and also just scream me... at
0: you in this really yeah. intense way.
1: <laughs> and that was really stressful. Um, but beyond that, it's mostly a very a quiet game that yeah. you're just, like, walking around and alone. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, I actually really appreciated its use of silence or, like, quietness, at least, as a tension builder, where instead of, like, relying on the soundtrack to be, like, something scary is about to happen it was just like the sense of uh the emptiness of the environments you were in i guess okay so to dive more into like the horror stuff uh something that that you've mentioned before uh i think both in our talks and in your review is like Signalis uses a lot of sort of like ps1 era like survival horror tropes so like it Mm -hmm. graphically it looks very similar which i think it does to great effect and like both like Dives into and subverts in some interesting ways that I'm sure we'll get into, but also yeah. through, like, the controls are really clunky, and you feel like you kind of can't perfectly control your character. Uh, you also have a very limited inventory space, so you're kind of constantly forced to decide, like, how much you can take with you, or forced to, like, backtrack a bunch to pick things up and drop them. And those were things that I, like, throughout the entire game didn't really enjoy. Um, mm mm-hmm. The sort of clunkiness of the controls, like I, I understand uh, that that's supposed to instill this sense of tension and like powerlessness in you. Uh, and the same thing with eliminating inventory space, like you, you can't bring six different weapons with you and a bunch of healing kits or whatever. And I think that's very effective. But I think the purpose of those things is to build tension. And for me, it didn't do that at all. It just made me annoyed. Because okay. after a while, like I just didn't so the the combat is not like great, but that's also kind of intentional because you're not supposed to feel empowered, like you're supposed to feel like the odds are against you. And so after like the first hour of the game, I just avoided combat as much as I could. And if I would see an enemy, I would just run past. And so a lot of my time in this game was just spent like an enemy would wake up, I would just kind of like awkwardly stumble through it, I'd get attacked once, and then I would just keep running to the door. Uh, and because of your limited inventory space, there's a lot of a lot of this game is like finding keys that open up doors that open up like the next step of the puzzle. So you like find a key and you open the door with that and then that gives you a, a cassette tape and then you take that to the machine that plays the cassette tape. So it's just like shuttling items all over. And I think those puzzles are mostly really great, but all that the limited inventory space really did for me was mean that instead of like, picking up three things in this room and moving them to the other room, I would have to do them, like, one at a time. And that didn't really make me feel afraid. Because, like, the more times I just ran past enemies with no consequence, like, the kind of threat of them just diminished every time because it was so easy to just run past them. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I don't know what, like, the solution to that is, right? Like, I don't know how you actually, like, how that they would have built that tension in a way that worked for me. I just know that that part of it didn't really work.
1: I totally understand what you're saying, though. Yeah. And
0: by the end of the game, like when it starts throwing more enemies at you, it's, I just got like, I would just be like, okay, (laughs) you know, I would just kind of sigh and be like, okay, now I have to run past these six guys instead of just one.
1: Yeah. um, I am curious. One of the things that I thought was interesting was the first time that one of the enemies wakes up, Mm -hmm. like after you kill them. Because enemies are persistent in this game, and unless you like burn them, they will not die, and they will always come back. Yeah. Um, I assume that was just kind of like annoying to you, since it was uh, more stuff that you just had to avoid.
0: Um, I like. I actually like that aspect quite a bit, because it meant that you. I mean, it's weird because it, it did end up making it more frustrating, but I did. I enjoyed that aspect because it meant that mm-hmm. if you cleared a room there was always the chance that the thing would just come back again. So for me what that meant was just like I'm not going to bother clearing this room. Um but I do I did like that in some instances when you were like when I was forced to fight knowing that if I came back they might come back again. That aspect of it really actually did work for me. So I think as this sounds like I don't know a very basic thing, but I honestly think that if there were just like 10 to 20% fewer enemies in the game in like as a whole I think I would have liked it better because there there were so many that I just, it just felt like the right thing to do was avoid them. Whereas I felt like if there were fewer of them, I would have had to continually make that choice of like, do I engage with them or do I not? Uh, and I think that is a more interesting choice for me than just running past them. Um, but that, like, the fact that they can come back, I actually thought was really, really effective. Like the first time it happened to me, I was it, it freaked me right out. Um, <laughs> And also, okay. So, an interesting there, there's so many things interesting things that this game does with its like its art and its presentation and its graphics, however you want to describe it. And one of them is when you there are a lot of different effects in this like kind of screen effects where little bits of of the screen will be pixelated. Uh, they use this in these sort of like cutscene moments and a lot of different things. Uh, but the one time that that happens is if you kill enemies, there will be just these little These little pixels kind of dancing around them just to give them this. There's just this slight hint of movement on them. So, as you're like walking by and waiting to see if an enemy is going to wake up again, you'll see just this slight tinge of movement or like that looks like a little graphical glitch almost. So, there's not even like a. And that doesn't mean they're going to wake up. That's just what happens to every like enemy's body in the game. So, you're always on edge to be like, oh, was that is that it's starting to wake up or is that just because that's what the, the game looks like, you know? Uh, and that, I thought that was such a nice little touch that just like kept me so on edge the entire time.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's little details like that, that speak to Signalis's ability to really expertly use the PS one style. Um, this game was developed by a studio called Rose engine, which is um, similar to Stephanie. It's just two people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is their first game but they like expertly do this. And a lot of the things they work with mechanically are like iterative takes on traditional like survival horror stuff. So the pixels is really interesting because that's like, that's kind of an evolution of just technical limitations of the PS one. Because there's this thing with PS one games where the like weird pixelated graphics, they have this like dithering effect every Mm -hmm. once in a while. Well, they'll just like jitter and It uses that for tension. And then similarly, the like zombie creatures, when they come back to life, that is like iterating on Resident Evil. The first one, when it was remade on GameCube, they had special zombies that you could kill them, but then they would come back to life and you would have to kill them again. So they're really like demonstrating an expertise in the genre, which I think I really enjoyed. Um, But the, the other thing about Signals is... I think it has an interesting story and narrative. How did you feel about like going through that narrative and what you learn about Elster and why
0: she's there and what she's going through? Yeah, um, I mean, I I loved it. Like just kind of top line, I fucking loved <laughs> playing through this story. There were, I, I kind of have a struggle with st- stories like this, which is to say like, a lot of a lot of signalis is um it's unclear to what extent the things that you're seeing are literally happening and to what extent they are like either some form of hallucination or like just a m- complete metaphor that is not meant to be mapped to any uh you know like actual condition of of elster i I, I sometimes struggle with those because it's very difficult to. If the story you're telling is a metaphor, it's difficult to make everything in the story serve that purpose. Uh, and then the extraneous things tend to to just feel uh, extraneous. They feel pointless. They feel mm-hmm. like, is this a red herring or is this just something that's in there because, you know, it's a game so they need to throw some enemies in. What I like about Signalis, though, was it wasn't just saying, like, there's no, like tidy wrapping up of it where it's like, oh, it was, it was just a dream or whatever. Like at the end of the game, there are still so many ways to interpret it that the, the weird sort of, uh, un-parsable line between, uh, literal events and metaphor and memory and, and all these different things, uh, the blurring of all those lines actually works tremendously well for it. So in the moment I kind of had this fear that like, oh, this is going to turn into something where like at the end it's going to reveal what all happened and that's going to feel unsatisfying. But the fact that it doesn't do that kind of retroactively like cuts out that, that, that fear that I had. Yeah. So I don't know. I I really liked it. I, I was confused by it. Like at the end I was like, I don't, (laughs) I don't really know how much I understood that, but that's okay because that's also kind of part of the story is this, this fracturing of reality and of memory, uh, so it's yeah, I think it,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I think it's a very evocative game. Yes. Like there is definitely an element to it where you you can get a an idea of what is happening, mm-hmm. but I don't think anybody is a hundred percent sure. And I, I think that's the point. Like something I always I I like is that the developers refer to Signals as a dream about dreaming. Mm-hmm. Like it's this game about the the like malleable mind and how we think of things in memories like Elster and most of the creatures you interact with and characters you meet are called replicas. And they're basically, you know, androids that are formed off the basis of somebody's memory, but they're not supposed to remember all of them. And like everything you do throughout the game is going through this idea of like, what am I remembering? What is real? And how do our memories change? Um, And I think uh, it's this is a difficult thing, but something that, at least for me, um, because I'm just like a a nerd, I like this. Signalis was a game that is so littered with like references. Mm -hmm. And a lot of understanding some of what Signalis does does rely on like having a touchstone to other pieces of media. Um, Like, for example, early in the game, you literally pick up a copy of The King in Yellow, (laughs) which is like, just a it's an iconic, um, like cosmic horror story. Um, But then the game continues to have so many references or interpretations of other works, like, ranging from painting, like, there's a painting in it that is integral to the story. And there's classical music that is important. And it references, like, neon genesis evangelion and the shining which is is a lot but i found it to like really play on all these things really well yeah i don't know about your perspective on this though
0: yeah i thought that was fascinating as well i I laughed when you said the shining thing because i just i remembered like the first time i walked into a room with that carpet and i was like oh no (laughs) (laughs) what's about to happen yeah it referenced a lot of things that honestly i don't know um like that painting, like the Island of the Dead, or whatever. I had to look up what what that was, or uh, like the classical music. There is sort of a I don't know, just purely on vibes. I do like that though, where it's like there are different levels to understand this this game. Like you can be me and not get the references and still kind of parse out what what it's aiming at. But also knowing that there's like another layer there that you're not seeing, but that is reachable, I think is really interesting. I don't know, just in a kind of aesthetic sense uh, of knowing that like there's more to the story than than the story that's being told. Uh, I found that that worked super well.
1: Yeah, something that struck me, actually, and I was like super surprised by when I was playing Stephanie, is that I was thinking about Signalis a lot, actually. Um, For example, uh, I would... I think that, you know, the main theme of Signalis is basically a meditation on connection mm-hmm. and human connection and relationships. Um, because Elster's whole point is that she's going to find her partner, um, who is her, her girlfriend, which I love also. Yeah. Um, but you meet every character you meet who's still like alive they're all also searching for someone. They're all alone and searching for that connection, Um, which I was really fascinated that, you know, Stephanie ended up having this theme of connection as well.
0: Yeah, I thought about that. I could not stop thinking about that when I was playing through Signalis. Uh, Just the the weird ways that these games are in some ways like counterpoints for each other. Um, Yeah. So... Yeah, in Signalis it is like there's your, there's these replicants that are like sort of copies of human consciousness, and a lot of the game is like memories from the original human who had those experiences start like leaking through into replicas and sort of like driving them mad, uh, and then it gets even even deeper and deeper into the idea of like connection and the sort of barriers between individuals breaking down as a. As a horrific idea. People are like not sure who they are, they can't understand their own identities, they're not sure uh, to what extent their own identity is their own or is the the remnant of another person's. Whereas Stephanie approaches the idea of connection and the blurring of identities as a joyful thing for the most part. Uh, Mm -hmm. There is sort of a there's a way in which connecting with other individuals and uh, losing the sense of self into a kind of almost like hive mind structure can be a way of like understanding and getting past the barriers, the sort of uh, the artificial barriers that keep us from understanding each other. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I was, I could not stop thinking about that idea. In the both that... of
1: them, also mechanically re- revolve around you going deeper into like the caverns of a facility <laughs> yeah. or an island. <laughs> Both of them have to do with, like, the roles and restrictions of a government. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's fascinating. Um,
0: Yeah, I was, like, continually... I, I kept thinking, like, okay, am I just putting my own shit on this because we're talking about these two games together? But then the more I saw, the more I was just like, no, there is, like... There's a very strange way in which these two games are in conversation that I absolutely did not expect. And then, uh, you know, whatever it says about us that you chose Stephanie as the
1: one you (laughs) prefer and I chose Signalis as the one I prefer. Let's not read too much into that, though. Yeah, we'll (laughs) save
0: that for our respective therapists. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Um, So one of the things that I do want to talk about is uh, a big moment in Signalis is when you finish the game. mm -hmm. I am curious about how you felt when you finished the game at least when you rolled credits
0: so i i knew that that wasn't the end Mm -hmm. and i i'm I'm, i guess i'm curious i kind of first want to ask you like because you didn't know that going in like what was your so i
1: in a lot of ways i think i had uh, like the perfect experience with signals because i did not know that when you like roll credits that that is not the end um i had just loved this game so much i really liked the storytelling and the mechanics and the art and everything they do i think works perfectly and i had finished the game and i still had like a weekend left before i had to like write my review and immediately after rolling credits i was like i just want more of this (laughs) i'm gonna play it again and i started a new um a new playthrough and it starts very similarly, but then immediately you realize there are different, there are differences in the opening cutscene, scene and you realize this is like a continuation. And I was, my like jaw was on the yeah. floor. I was, <laughs> I was shocked. I was like, it was incredible. I, I really enjoyed it, but something that I think about, and I, I'm curious to like get your opinion on this as we like have this conversation is a lot of people refer to the like the moment you roll credits they refer to it as like a fake ending yeah which in my opinion i think is the wrong way to think about it i do think that you could conceive of like rolling credits and signalis the first time i think you could conceive of that as an ending i think the way they end that story is it's a little obscure um it leaves a lot up to interpretation but it still is a closure to the story in a way. Um, And I think what comes after is not necessary for everybody, but worth it for those who do want more. Um, So, but what about you since you knew that it was coming?
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying about it It could have been um, an ending. I think you're right, but I think I would have been frustrated if that were the ending. Um, Mm -hmm. Partially because it, it is so vague and kind of like what i was talking about earlier i think that would have left t- too much open but also because the like the last section of the game before you get to that the the credits you're in a zone called nowhere which is a very like weird body horror inter like s- parallel dimension kind of place i found that section to be so frustrating i i was not i did not enjoy that section at all um and i was like really turning on the game at that point where i was just like not enjoying it even like actually when i started the second you know the second half of the game or whatever i was very worried it was going to continue being like that and i was like oh fuck like does the second half of this game just suck um so i was like relieved to, to see that that wasn't the ending because I would have been very unsatisfied had it ended there uh I think there are certainly people who would have been satisfied with it uh I'm not one of them I was kind of just like racing through that final section and I in fact used like a walkthrough for some puzzles because I was just like I didn't have the fucking patience for this largely just because of there were so many enemies and there was so much running back and forth uh And I was becoming worried that it was going to be this thing of just like, Oh, is it a metaphor? Is it in your head? It ends up being much more clever and much more satisfying than that. But it seemed like that's where it was heading. So I was kind of like preemptively getting pissed off at it. Yeah. So I was very glad to see that it, that it continued from there. I,
1: what did you think about the, the immediate scene that you get when you start? Well, uh,
0: uh it uh, broke me <laughs> so, <laughs> i so i sent you at one point when i was playing i just sent you a text that said this fucking game um and that was that was not at this moment so we're just like obviously fully just going to spoil things at this point but uh right after you so the, the game like quote unquote ends with you kind of stepping through this door to find uh Arianne, this woman who you're looking for your you kind of lost love and it just sort of ends in this way that's like very unclear about what you find at the end, et cetera, et cetera. So it just it, it feels like it's been this this kind of hopeless journey uh, and this thing that might just continue indefinitely trying to find this woman. And then you you wake up back on the ship, uh, except like when they when the game really like starts starts, the ship has crashed and you're you're searching the, through the wreckage, when they started the like quote unquote second playthrough. The ship is still in motion, like, it had, the disaster hasn't struck yet. And you, like, do this little checklist of tasks that's, like, preparing the ship for landing or whatever. And the last thing you do is you go and check in on your gestalt, who's, like, the officer on the ship, who's this woman who you've been searching for. And you open the door, and she, like, she sees you come <laughs> in, and she runs towards you and, like, holds you, and you have this, like, incredible kiss um and my my heart just fucking like I don't even know what it did. It like it sank and rose at the same time. It was just I'm like, just
1: like tearing up think about thinking about it. It was such an incredible moment. It was
0: so moving because it's like you've spent this whole thing going through this horrific experience to find this woman. And then you go back the only way that you are able to actually see her is to go into the past, into your memories. And it's this moment of like such happiness and contentment and togetherness and you know that it's like it's real and like you really feel it but you know that this already happened and you know all the tragedy that is to come uh, my heart was in my throat like I was I was honestly was also tearing up as well at this moment um
1: I really like this moment a lot because I think it does so much um I think it shows Signalis to be much more than just like a run-of-the-mill horror game yes. it for me, this is like one of the most touching, tender moments in a game this entire year, and it's in the middle of a horror <laughs> game. Like I did not expect this incredible tenderness. Um, it's also it also comes at the perfect time because, um, like you said, you know when you finish your first playthrough, there's a likelihood that you're kind of tired, mm-hmm. that you're that you're like kind of done with this, but just just like Elster, who at this moment needs kind of like hope needs to remember why she's doing this you the player also need that and the game gives you it and it's so worth it and yeah. it does the job and then from that point on i'm like yeah i i'm going to continue yeah um
0: when i got to like what is called the false ending i like it was like after work one day or something and i was just like i got up and just kind of paced around and i was just like i'm uh I, i'm annoyed but i like i want to start the next playthrough just to like see how it begins and like kind of like prepare myself to finish it. And I ended up playing through that final section in one sitting (laughs) because (laughs) mostly because of this scene, it grabbed me so much that I was just like, I've got to see this through at this point.
1: Yeah. So with, with the like last section, did you find yourself, was that like easier to push through at that point?
0: Yeah. So one more thing on this scene that I want to mention is, um, there's as you go through the uh sort of mostly like the last half of the game you're finding these little like dossiers on the different like models of replica and because you know they're all pulled from different human experiences and so there's there's ways that like the kind of like handlers of these these androids are told to uh the phrase they use is like stabilize their persona so it's like some of them give them these objects. Some of them let them dance and let them look at themselves in the mirror or let them socialize. Uh, when you're in this scene, you have the option of opening like a confidential envelope. Did you open the envelope? I did. Okay, so did I. And it, it tells you like it's, it's, it's the dossier on Elster. And so it tells you like the thing you're supposed to do is like kind of let them alone because they're like survivalists. Da da They're taken from this soldier. So it's like, don't try to make friends with them. Uh, that will only mess them up. Like, just let them do their thing. And then, oh, and the other thing was, don't show them photos, especially from people of the war, from the war. Don't let them listen to music or watch movies because that will destabilize them. And then you go and you see Ariane, and you she puts on music and you dance together. And she talks about, like, having movie nights with you. And it's just such a sweet moment of just like knowing that this woman like broke this central commandment that that as far as she knows was going to make elster you know malfunction and possibly murder her but because they had this connection she was like no actually like i don't see i don't see elster as like a tool anymore i think she's a person and i'm going to treat her like one Uh, and that just added this uh, just so much emotion to that scene
1: yeah i i love it so much because um you know, Elster is supposed to be a solitary thing, like a tool, mm-hmm. and in a way, the way that the, like, the Empire, or whatever it's called in the game, uses Arianne, um, she is also a tool, mm-hmm. even though she's a, a human, um, and she's put on this, like, ship, and the game eventually tells you that procedure is that, like, if they don't finish their mission, they just kind of are expected to then just die. Yeah. And so both of these people, Elster and Ariane, are like basically forgotten, cast aside things that are supposed to be lonely tools, and through each other, they like found a connection and an ability to be together and like be loved and be their own person and it's so beautiful it is, it is really it's it is
0: it's really it's so so moving
1: so then the rest the rest of the
0: game happens. <laughs> yes sorry so the rest of the game happens uh, and i was i was like all in on it um like the from the moment you start that that kind of like second half of it like i was totally back into it i really actually liked how much the first half is giving you these sort of like broad strokes of the game and like a lot of like thematic uh, content Whereas the, the second half of the, the game is kind of filling in the details of the world. Not entirely like it's not like it sounds more didactic than it actually is, but it's just like you're in an apartment building where Aran used to live, and you're kind of uncovering some of the past of, of these characters, and it's still very like very kind of like more forward with like emotions and metaphor. It's not it's not giving you like lore dossiers or whatever. But it does give you enough information to kind of fill in the gaps at least to enough to satisfy your curiosity and kind of start building your own theories about what's happening and, and all these things. Um, yeah, I also found like the puzzles were, were really satisfying in that back half. Uh, and I don't know, maybe it was just like the, the distinction between nowhere and this this building was so stark. like it was back to the kind of like mode that the game had been in that I felt it like weirdly comforting. Cause like for that last section of the of the first playthrough, it like takes away your map, and the the ways that rooms connect starts to break apart. Like you'll go in a door on the east side of a room and come out a door on the east side of another room, and it's like so. And I thought that was great. Like that was like such a good trick, but then to come back to this more like linear space. Even though it's still full of like murderous robots, it felt weirdly comforting to be in a space that at least like makes some Euclidean sense.
1: Yeah, I think that um, so much of the like first part of the game, as like I'm gonna call it, basically <laughs> is is about exploration. It's about just like going into every space and figuring out what is there and how it connects. Um, and it's there's a lot. It's pretty large. Yeah. And the back, the second part of the game is is similar but it's in a really it's in a much smaller tight space but it's still as expertly designed and so it's just like a perfect microcosm of like exceptional game design that demonstrates why signalis is so good at least in my mind
0: yeah yeah i mean that that whole apartment building is like just such a perfect little puzzle box where it's like you're just i think there were a few in there where it was literally just like this might not have been this section but there were some puzzles in the game it's just like you find a key in this room that lets you get a key from this other room that lets you get a key from this third room that unlocks the thing where it just felt like a little redundant but for the most part especially in this section the puzzles are far more interesting like you're you're messing with these i also really loved you start playing with this like like 90s style pc with the big monitor and like Using diskettes, which is just very satisfying. Yeah, this is a good puzzle. Like, lots of old-school, like, uh, kind of analog interfaces. Uh, But it's just, yeah, just lots of clever things. There's, like, there's a really great puzzle that has to do with, like, finding tarot cards and then finding a way to read those uh, and, like, how to interpret them. And it's just, the puzzles in this half are really great. And instead of just, like, each puzzle opening the next one, the kind of rewards for them in this section are little bits of background information. So the first time that I wanted to text you (laughs) was that scene with the dancing. And I like, but I was like, no, we're going to talk about this on the podcast. I don't want to spoil anything. I'm going to hold back. And then there were a couple more times in this section where I was like, I got to fucking talk to Willa about this. Um, And then the one that finally broke me was you find a computer with like medical records and so the whole, like, the first part of the game, you've been carrying on this photograph of this woman you're looking for who has, like, brown hair. And there's very complicated things happen in the story to explain, like, who this person is. But people start talking about, like, a woman with white hair who they keep seeing. And then at a certain point, you, you find a diary entry from Arianne that talks about her hair prematurely turning white during the war. And there's this connection between like people have been seeing this like possibly supernatural figure like in their dreams this, of this woman with white hair. And you connect it and realize that like this woman is actually Ariane, But the the images that you've seen of her don't look like that. And then there's a part in this, this section of the game where you pull up medical records of, of like this troop of soldiers who was in the war. And you can click through them and see like... Why they were admitted to the hospital da 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 and then some of them have photos and some of them that's corrupted, and you get to Arianne's file and you open it and for the first time you you like you see that image of her with the white hair, and I gasped so loud <laughs> it just it like truly took my breath away, and that's when I texted you because I was just like, "This thing is playing with my emotions so fucking much. yeah. There's also, like, yeah, I mean, there's a bit here where you also find, like, a diary that explains, like, the dreams that, uh, the way that I read this is this was the person who Elster was based on, Mm -hmm. um, and it, it explains kind of, like, these dreams that she's been having, and these dreams are all things that have been appearing previously in the game, and so you start to make these connections between, like, what is happening to the world and, like what these things are that you're seeing and it's not as simple as it's a dream like it's actually far more interesting than that but there's just all these little moments like that where it's just these these puzzle pieces really start falling together and like it still it still refuses to give you like a clear like here's what's happening answer but it's enough that these the story starts building itself in your mind as you are solving these puzzles and it's just so so satisfying that whole section was like An absolute fucking masterclass.
1: Again, with like the way Stephanie deals with bringing memory into the physical world Mm -hmm. of the game, I Signalis is obviously like much more unclear about it, but it feels like there's a really there's a similar thing going on. And, oh, one of the things that it does that we haven't really like touched on specifically, but there are these moments that break the traditional Mm -hmm. like survival horror top down um, gameplay. And become like these first person exploration sections that are incredibly like abstract. Um, like there's one where you're basically, you see the painting throughout the game of you know, the Isle of the Dead. And then you end up going into a first person section for, you know this one part, and you realize you're on the beach of the island. Yeah, And it's just like there're the like papers falling and they're on the ground. Oh, it's, it's
0: it's the great. The
1: visuals are just so striking.
0: The one of those in the school really, really struck me, just yeah. as being beautiful. Like it was just this gorgeous, otherworldly thing. Uh, we actually, so we mentioned Signalis on one episode before, and I I mentioned like that idea of like how it breaks with with the presentation and like shows you these different kind of points of view, and it's like rendered in a very different style. And I mentioned like I like when games do that. The thing that I was thinking of when I said that was Stephanie. It was like <laughs> Stephanie doing that for the those little narrative segments. So it's, yeah, it's interesting that they both use those. And like you said, like the memory seeping in, like just in the way, like it's it's again an aspect of these, these games being two sides of the same coin where in Signalis, it's this horrific thing of reality breaking apart. And in Stephanie, it's this really like exciting thing about people being able to like understand themselves better by the physicalization of their memories.
1: Yeah, we really picked, like, a perfect double feature. It's, um, yeah,
0: and these seem like I never would have guessed either. Like, they're so different.
1: I know. It was, It was like, I, it sounds like you had the same experience playing Signalis, but it was, like, when I was playing Stephanie, I was, like, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it, yeah, it kept being, like, yeah. Like, I kept thinking, I must be thinking, I must be looking into this too much because there's no way it has all these connections. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another since we're talking about this section before, we, there is another moment. So, you mentioned earlier uh, finding the key, the king in yellow, and that's like the very beginning of the game. You wake up on this crashed spaceship, and you can't find the person you're looking for. And so you go outside into the snow, and you find this weird like tunnel into the ground, and you go down it. And there's a hole in the bottom of this other hole, and you go through. And it leads to just this like locked room with a radio and a copy of the king in yellow. And you pick it up and then like the game starts in earnest. And then the final puzzle in the game is like you're in this apartment complex and there's like a tiny hole in one of the walls and you can look through and you can just barely see like a room at the other end, but you can't make out at all what's in there. And there's a puzzle that you solve and the the hole just kind of like supernaturally expands itself. So you can crawl through and you crawl through and you realize it's the room from the very beginning of the game. And you've like actually found it in like physical space. And that was another moment where I was just like on my feet, like this (laughs) fucking game. Like, and, and, you know, like, you know, at that point, like this is the end. And it's just like, God, I mean, that was an absolutely like breathtaking moment. Mm -hmm.
1: I um before we like get exact- like to the ending ending, <laughs> I will say something that I actually thought was a drawback of this game is there are a few moments they're very sparse actually, and they feel drastically different because, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, combat is sometimes like unimportant. There are like a couple major moments where there are basically boss fights, yeah, and I don't know if you felt this way. I r- didn't really like these moments because combat is kind of janky mm-hmm. and also there's there's the ability given to the player to avoid combat and you're kind of encouraged to to an extent yeah. um and so to be confronted with these like big difficult boss fights it feels a little bit derailing
0: yeah i thought that all of the boss fights were like a huge drag except for the last one
1: yeah okay um is it just because it was like it felt like a culmination of stuff.
0: It's, I think it was just interesting. It's just more interesting. Like the other ones were just kind of like shoot this big thing with your gun until it stops attacking you. And this one was like, it was, it was just pulling some interesting tricks. Like I think with this, this game like plays with mechanics in some really interesting ways. And it brings in those weird, like graphical glitches as like uh, another, like as like a diegetic part of the game happening. Um, I just thought it was really well a well conceived fight. Um it yeah. it still felt out of place, but I at least enjoyed that one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that makes sense and I kind of agree. At least at least the last fight, you know, kind of plays on what Signals does mm-hmm. whereas the first couple are just kind of run of the mill boss yeah. fights.
0: Yeah, those were those were so, disappointing.
1: so then, you know, you reach the ending and I'm curious about how the game ended for you and how you felt about it
0: yeah i definitely want us to talk about our own our own uh our endings um so there are like four different endings to this game and they're all kind of they're all named i got what was called the memory ending which i gather is like the one that most people will get um Mm -hmm. and so what happens at the end of this game is so the the so-called false ending—you go through this weird gate and you approach your—you find the crashed ship sitting in this weird liminal space, and you try to like enter it, and it just doesn't work out great. So the the you know the second ending that you get, at least in this one, you come to that ship again. Uh, it's you know it's crashed in this weird space. You you open the ship and you go inside, and this time the ship is like it's falling apart, like it's corrupted, but. It, it doesn't look like it's been damaged by the crash. It's just like there's garbage everywhere. And it's just like you can find these memos that talk about how you're running out of time and how this mission has gone on too long and all these things about the ship is decaying and both Elster and Ariane are decaying. And even like their relationship doesn't seem... Like Ariane is talking about Elster in a much... Like a more distant way. And it's just such just In such a sad state... And then in the one that I got you come to this like cryopod where Ariane is kind of like being kept alive and I you like a- approach her and say like it's she looks up at you and you say Ariane it's it's me it's Elster and she says I don't remember you and then you just kind of like you like sort of sink onto the side of the the pod and just say like is it okay if I can I stay with you a little longer and you you know, she says yes, and you kind of collapse on the side, and you you lay your head down, and she kind of like reaches out a hand to to touch you, and you die there, like at her side. <laughs> uh, uh, it's uh, it's a lot. Um, I I actually found it satisfying in a in a weird way. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of, I watched the other endings afterward online, uh, and I, I'm kind of glad that I I got the one that I got because it feels true not in not in a sense of like this is literal truth because i think they all serve that purpose but to me it kind of it 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 felt like just in in keeping with the tone of the game where it's just like this kind of doomed quest yeah. the point is that you're together not that you're accomplishing this great thing it's just like this you know you're you're both trapped in this absolutely doomed world and the only thing that you can really have is each other uh even in this like compromised way uh it's i mean it's god, very sad it's very sad. heartbreaking I mean, yeah it's i mean it's it's mm-hmm. devastating literally i i finished that game and literally just paced around my apartment for like 45 minutes because i was <laughs> just like so broken up by it. um yeah. i'm curious about your your experience though
1: yeah okay so i got the ending called promise oh which god <laughs> that one's i rough. found out yeah which i found out is like apparently most people don't get on their first attempt like this is a rare one to get mm-hmm. but basically it's very very similar to yours Elster goes back into the ship find Ariane, and you are like hi I'm here but for my ending she remembers you and you know she's like oh she's like Elster it's you know good to see you again I mean she doesn't say it <laughs> like that cuz it's pretty depressing but but then you realize like you remember that basically so throughout the game, you've been kind of getting flashes of this idea of, like, remember your promise. <laughs> and you get there and you remember that basically these notes that you've seen around the ship are saying that because you guys have not, like, accomplished your mission of, like, whatever it is, like, finding um, a, a planet habitable, um, you your mission is basically over. But that means that you guys will just die and the replica Elster will Live longer, and so it asks the um, the replica to like kill the Gestalt. Mm-hmm. And this is why, like in the state of decay that the ship ends up being in, Ariane is kind of like she herself is decaying. You can tell she's like sick. She is dying, and you remember that basically she asked you to promise to kill her, <laughs> to put her out of her misery because she does not want to suffer yeah. anymore. And so in those last moments, like you sit there with her and Elster does like, you know, kill her at her wish to end her suffering. And, and then you just sit down next to her and you, it's really heartbreaking. In this ending, you give her a kiss on the forehead, (laughs) like after it. And it's, it's so tragic.
0: It's as, really devastating.
1: Yeah, just in in conjunction with the scene that you get at the beginning of the second section, and for it to close with this kiss on on her forehead, it's it's so heartbreaking. But again, like I felt it made a lot of sense, mm-hmm. and as much as I was like so emotional about it, it it worked. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there are two. There are two more endings. There's the. The like the one that people are very interested in is like the secret quote unquote mm-hmm. ending, which takes like a lot of extra puzzle solving work, but you you basically get a final scene that's almost a reflection of the scene that starts the second act, and it's Ulster and Ariane in their like basically decayed states that they're near at the end of the game and they are dancing one final time, like to the music. Ugh
0: it's it's it's
1: yeah. Ugh, i i really enjoy the multiple endings of the game yeah, though same. um it again it it plays off of traditional survival horror where in in like the original resident evil for example um you can get different endings where certain people live certain people die silent two or silent hill has this um too where you can get different endings based on yeah. The UFO, <laughs> yeah, the uFO ending yeah the u f o ending, the dog ending yeah. um but you can get different endings, and I feel like the way signals uses them to tease out different aspects of the story and these relationships is is really well done
0: mm-hmm. and they yeah but I, I what I like is that like like we both said like those endings felt true like to the story, like none of them feel like, oh, this is the alternate ending or this is whatever, like they all feel like ways that make sense for the story to end uh and that i think really plays off it really plays with like something that's been touched on the whole game which is just like there's like a lot of questions around are you imagining some of this is this a like kind of like not a time loop but like a repeating like they even like they're Nietzsche at some point in the game and it's like is this an eternal return thing is this just some cosmic like loop that you're stuck in when you come back to the ship, you find a dead Elster unit. So it's like this. This may be something that is being like repeated throughout time. Like it's not even entirely clear whether you are playing the same character throughout the entire game, because so much of it is about loops and different possibilities and reality breaking or just repeating. Like there, there's so much left unsaid that you can absolutely interpret all of these endings as like. Whatever one you get feels correct. It feels canonical, you know. Uh, and I think that's yeah. a really, really uh, impressive thing to pull off. Where there's none, that just feels like, oh, that's like the that's the secret one. That's the true one. That's the bad one. That's the fake out one, or whatever.
1: I am I am ecstatic that you enjoy Signalis. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I had like such a roller coaster with it because I was like toward the middle section there, like I was really just like I'm so done with this game, and it like it comes back in such a big way. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly think, I was thinking about this earlier, like, I might, if I were just, like, playing this game on my own, I may have quit at that section. And I'm so glad that I didn't because it, like, it comes back, God, it, yeah, the ending is just, and by the ending, I mean, like, that whole final couple of hours. It's just, is so satisfying.
1: Yeah, I think it was, it was an exceptional experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was really special this year mm-hmm. for me, so
0: yeah it's been uh, yeah i mean a lot of a lot of really v- such fucking interesting games have come out this year uh, and and flown largely under the radar <laughs> but yeah I mean, i'm glad we got to share these these weird and unexpectedly uh kind of convergent experiences
1: yeah this was really fun this was like shockingly a great thing like i think that playing them both makes makes me appreciate both more yeah
0: yeah like i was looking forward to the like the this as like an experiment and a conversation regardless uh and i'm like i'm very surprised to see how well these two games like talked about similar things in just they could not be approaching them in different ways in more different ways or approaching more different conclusions about them
1: Mm -hmm. i will say um one of the things that I actually have, like my opinion on signalis is I think that it does in some ways have a <laughs> have a hopeful outlook mm. on what it's talking about because I think in the end, like what it does want is is it does want its characters to find connection, just the ones that matter to them outside of these like connections that have been forced yeah. or told. Um, which is why like Elster and Ariane have such an important relationship um, because they are able to connect even even if it leads to a lot of tragedy that they have to endure um, yeah they do it for each other they do it for love
0: yeah I think the distinction there is like finding joy in a world that is like actively trying to keep you from it like they mm-hmm. they both are are citizens of this like extremely repressive government uh, and it's yeah, I mean it does make that connection like all the more poignant that like they had these connections forced on them they had their identities stripped away but even as like shells of of people the the connection that they find with each other is enough to, to not st- like that, it won't. It can't save them, but it can give them some a reason to keep going when when the world itself doesn't provide a reason for life.
1: Again, sort of, sort of like Stephanie's ending. It, yeah, the night we both take an unexpected approach yeah. to the end. It's it's not inherently what you would call a, a joyful ending.
0: Yeah. yeah, like yeah, Stephanie's ending is like more of a downer than you would expect, and Signolus's is more of uh, like more joyful than you'd expect. <laughs>
1: But yeah, out, outside of those, those great games, uh, that was a great experience. I really like this. Um, what else have you been up to this week?
0: Yeah, so most of well, what I've been doing this week is you know playing Signalis and the resulting <laughs> existential crisis uh, that came from the ending. Uh, but in between that, I have been playing another, uh, a little bit of another game, uh, a game called Chained Echoes. Which okay yeah is another one that's kind of flying uh, flying under the radar a little bit it, it's a it's a like turn based RPG that isn't uh, it's like a mech turn based RPG so there's like tr- you know kind of traditional like party based battles but at certain points you also get these like mechs called sky armors for these very like you know over the top fights uh, and I'm not super far into it uh, just, you know a handful of hours at this point but it's a really surprisingly good uh battle system that is like it's all about balancing like what there's what's called like overdrive and it's like in every battle you can kind of see this gauge and it's like every action you do either builds the gauge or takes it away and you're trying to like balance those actions to keep this this gauge in the sweet spot of of overdrive and if you go like too far in one way you start taking more damage And if you go too far the other way, you start doing less damage. Uh, And there's, like, a lot of complications there. That's just, like, the very very general steps. But it's just so far, like, a really clever system. Like, there's, like, just lots of interesting skills going on. And, um, like, lots of clever little mechanics happening. The battles are... One thing that I find really interesting is, like, after every single battle, your, like, HP and MP essentially, like, fill back up at the end. So there's never any you never have to like hold back abilities or like try to reserve anything. And because of that, the battles are extremely challenging. So it's like at all times, it's asking you to really like to perform at like your full capacity and like use every move you have and like try every trick you can because otherwise you just will die on just random mobs. So I think that's great. It also has like a really interesting like political kind of story about like rebellion and you know, this like big conspiracy like it's, uh, so far, not, like, the best, you know, story I've ever played in, a, in an RPG or whatever, but it's a very compelling story. Um, it, it pulls a really interesting trick to introduce you to all of your your party members that I kind of don't want to spoil. I just want to shout out, like, the intro to this game is very interesting, like, the way that it introduces you to characters. But yeah, like I said, I haven't played a ton of it, so I don't have too much to say about it, but so far, I highly recommend it. It's on Switch, it's on PC, it's on Game Pass, if you have that, like... I like highly recommend giving it a try.
1: I I already have like planned on getting this cuz I I'm very interested. I did not know it was on Game Pass, so it's yes. just I'm immediately going to download it. I think
0: it. as of like today or whatever. But yeah, I I definitely I think I think it's worth playing for sure.
1: Yeah, it sounds um like very Xeno uh, Gears uh, with the Mac Yeah. I I've heard people say it's like kind of chrono triggery uh you know, very into it. Sh- shocked to hear that you are you know, excited by a mech-based yeah. JRPG. Who would have like, thought? Shocker. Uh,
0: so um, how about you, Ella? What have you been playing this week or doing this So,
1: week? yeah, so I've not been playing much um, outside of, like, get, doing Stephanie. Um, but one thing that I've been doing every day is I eat a little bit of jam. <laughs> and <laughs> And here's why. Um, so it's like, we're in the lead up to the holidays and something that I always grew up doing is advent calendars, Mm -hmm. but so like I'm in my apartment, I don't live with my parents anymore, so like they don't buy them, uh, (laughs) but I have a, my, my girlfriend bought us a lovely jam advent calendar, um, it's like this really nice big advent calendar, and every day you open it and it has a little container of a new jam (laughs) it is it's amazing it gives me so much joy every day so like recently it was fig and cardamom jam Mm. which was very nice it had a uh, had a nice uh spice like spice flavor from the the cardamom that was unexpected (laughs) but very nice uh it's it's a delightful little thing that I get to do every day. Um, Can you run us through and your I top three it... favorite
0: jams so far? Just a quick, oh, so quick far. power ranking of jams.
1: Okay. I have to say the fig and cardamom was pre- pretty good. I think the strawberry rhubarb was really mm. good. And then there was a, uh, there was like a yuzu one, oh, which yeah. was delightful. It was really, really tart um, and citrusy, which I'm a big fan of. So I've got to say you know, uh, just off the dome. There you yeah, go. That's very uh, cute. I like a...
0: that story. I also kind of wished that you had just, it had just been, I eat a little bit of jam every day, <laughs> just as a general kind of life <laughs> tip. Just as a, as a little just, treat, just eat a little Willa jam. can have some jam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> either way. I think that's, that's delightful. Um, yeah. But okay. I think, I think we've covered everything, everything from Stephanie to Signalis to jam. Uh, i, I yeah, I really think this we had a great discussion today. I'm I'm glad we both got the chance to play some games that it sounds like we wouldn't have played otherwise. Uh, yeah. and I'm even happier that they weirdly ended up complimenting each other in, in such such interesting ways.
1: I know. We can just like retroactively say that this was perfectly planned. Yeah, we're it's actually just genius. All just our, yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's gonna be it for episode seven of Girl Mode. Uh, you can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. and uh, We're on Twitter at girlmode underscore pod and at co-host at girlmode dash pod. I'm on Twitter and co-host at The Willow Row. And
0: I'm on Twitter and co-host at Robin Bombus. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, bye. Have a good week. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>